Hey everybody, this is Alana and this is another episode of Dealing with Donor Conception. The topic for today is single mom tips. This is my tip list for single moms or really any mom. But my heart really goes out to single moms because last year I became one and nobody worshipped the nuclear family more than me. Nobody wanted an intact family with a with a father, present father, and adoring husband more than me. And now I know what it feels like to have an alternative life, something <laughs> that other people, um, you know, they're a little troubled by. Um, so my heart goes out to you single moms, and I... I have more empathy for you this year versus three years ago. But we're not discussing why I became a single mom. We're not discussing why you became a single mom. We're just trying to do the best in the situation we have. And so I just have like a whole bunch of tips of things that have really helped me be a better mom. And because we're friends now and we're in conversation and you're maybe subscribing to this podcast, then maybe you'll appreciate some of the tips. When I had people recommend books to me, it, it literally changed my life. Like sometimes you, we talk about our problems and the things that we're struggling with and someone who's just been there before just gives you a, a, a book to read and it, is such a profound improvement on your life that you just want to cry. And I have a few of those recommendations. Um, um, and I'm going to kind of start, you know, my oldest kid is seven, so I don't have all the answers for every, every age, but I just want to kind of want to start, start with pregnancy to where I'm at now, which is, you know, kids, kind of big kids, but not teenagers. And so I've had three children. Um, let's start with pregnancy. My first tip, if you're currently pregnant, whether you're a mom or a single mom, and you're scared to death because you've never been pregnant before and you've never given birth, my first kid was an emergency C-section. Yes, we're talking about birth stories. <laughs> my first kid was an emergency C-section, and without getting too gruesome about it, it felt like I got in a car accident. I felt like I was going to die. I remember being on the table, freezing cold, and not having enough, you know, uh, mana, <laughs> enough life energy to even say to the nurse that I'm cold. And it took a long time before they realized that I was like freezing and shivering, and they put a blanket on me. But while they were doing that, like my insides were out the my, they were holding my guts in the air trying to put put me back together i couldn't walk for 2 weeks because this you know they cut through your stomach muscles and it was just horrific and i thought i'm 25 years old i'm young i'm healthy i'm just going to go have myself a baby and it's going to be you know not easy but like i'm made for this and you are made for this. But I didn't I didn't spend any money on birth training, Lamaze or whatever you want to call it. 
and I got shocked by the by the pain. And so um, the pain was so horrific, and I didn't have a pain management system that I ended up getting the epidural because I had to make the pain go away. And then the epidural causes paralysis. And when you're paralyzed, it's harder to squeeze out a baby <laughs> because you need to, it's like with anything, if you move it around, it's easier to wiggle it out. And so my daughter got stuck in the birth canal and then they had to do an emergency C-section. Um, long story short, if you can avoid the epidural, meaning if you can avoid paralysis, you can avoid a lot of the need for a C-section um, because movement assists in getting the baby out. So, but now you're in this. Pro- now you, the conundrum then becomes: Well, how do you deal with the pain? If you're not going to take an epidural, then how do you deal with the pain? And um, for my second child. I joined the club of what they call V-backers, um, which is VBAC, vaginal birth after C-section or after cesarean. And less than 10% of women achieve this, this special club. And I live in a state where 40% of all the births are C-sections. And doctors don't really promote natural birth. They don't give you resources on it. You have, it's something you have to do yourself. Well, um, my second go around, I did have a natural delivery and it was under extremely stressful circumstances, which I won't get into why, but, (laughs) um, or some of the reasons I'm a single mom now, but basically I got a doula for my second birth. I did. Uh, I did something called birth boot camp, which is a they teach you how to have a natural birth, and it's a pain management system. So you practice ways of managing pain, and that helped a lot. My third go around, um, what I did was I there wasn't a doula available, so I hired a masseuse. And I got something called Hypnobabies. And Hypnobabies, it's a workbook. They ha- it's an education curriculum that helps you understand what's going on physiologically. Cannot recommend this enough. It is like night and day. It's just the best resource I know of for having a natural birth. Um, and it comes with CDs. So you take it to your labor you play the CDs, or I guess they have MP3s that are downloadable, and it really helps relax you when when you're in there. And relaxation is important because um, when we're afraid, we tighten up, and the baby doesn't come out if we're that way. So you really have to work hard on relaxing, which sounds funny. But hypnobabies was just um, my number one recommended way if you of getting through your pregnancy and getting through your delivery. Also, when you do have a natural birth, your recovery time is so much better. 
you're out of the hospital in just a couple of days instead of a week or two. The baby is not all drugged up, so the baby feeds better. And when the baby feeds better, that avoids a lot of other problems. Um, Having to pay for formula, pain for the mother. So um, not shaming anybody who's had a cesarean, because I have. Not shaming anybody who doesn't have a natural birth, but there's just obviously a lot of benefits. Most people, most women want natural births. And that's my recommendation. Okay, single mom tip number two. This has to do with sleep. So after my oldest kid was born, it was a nightmare trying to get sleep. And the baby sleeps all the time. And and there's... It was just hard getting rest. And there was a book recommended to me by my dentist. Oh, yeah. Once you have a baby, you're basically your teeth are destroyed somehow from having uh, from the pregnancy um, because the kid steals all your calcium. So I went to the dentist. I had all these cavities, not all these cavities, but I needed to get fixed up. And she did a great job. And she recommended to me this book called Healthy Sleep Habits for a Happy Baby. And this is one of the books that changed my life. So this doctor gives you this blueprint a pediatrician gives you a blueprint on, you know, at every age, what the baby should be doing for sleep, um, when their nap should be, etc. And when I started to follow his recommendations, everything got better. My daughter's mood got better so I could sleep. I slept through the night. She slept through the night. It just got so much better. And it's kind of your, your baby's first taste at discipline. So some people, um, there's, you know, mom debates about the cry it out method or not. But I, I just want you to, to read the book and, and try it out for yourself or, or just contemplate it because um, you need sleep. You just do. If you don't sleep, nobody else functions. And if the baby doesn't sleep, then they're, they're, they're just so much more disagreeable. And um, uh, my second book recommendation, or tip number three, is a book called One, Two, Three Magic. So this is for the kid starting age two and up. Once they get to be toddlers, that's when you need to start implement discipline. And discipline can be kind of a harsh word. Some people don't like it. I had absolutely no discipline strategy. In fact, I had the worst discipline strategy, which was, you know, part of my personality flaws is that I reward people who hurt me. I shower them with affection. And then I ignore people who are good to me. And this is a major struggle I've discovered in my life. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. It is such a problem. (laughs) And I I was doing it with my kids too. So when the kids were acting up, I would kiss them and cuddle them and, you know, oh baby them into 
acquiescence to calm them down. And then when they were coloring and playing by themselves, reading a book by themselves, I would do my thing, do my own thing, and not reward them. (sighs) Big mistake. Huge mistake. Well, I had a friend, the last year and a half has been largely devoted to me improving my discipline strategies with the kids. I had a PhD psychologist friend of mine give me this book and she also her she's a widow so she had to be a single mom because of forces outside of her control and she in single mom of four kids by the way so she recommends to me this book 123 magic and I'm I'm going to repeat the title the title of the book is 123 magic And this book has also changed my life. So now I know that when the kid does something I don't want them to do, like make a mess, insult my food, um, (laughs) just disobey me in general. Now my first reaction, you know, I've articulated to them the new discipline strategy. And basically when they say, when the first time they do it bad, I say, you know, that's one, don't do that. And if they choose to do it again, then I say, that's two. I told you not to do that. And then if they do it again, then, you know, three strikes are out, time for a timeout. That's the basic summary, but it is a whole book and they've got a, a it's just a wonderful read. It's very thorough and it, and it goes all the way up, you know, how to deal with teens. Um, so if you've got toddlers and up, and they're disobeying you, and they're not behaving, I, I really recommend this book because, like, especially as a single mom, or just when you're by yourself, like, the kid needs to do what you ask them to. Like, what if there's a situation where they're going to die if if they don't listen to you? Like, don't cross the road. And if they defy you on that and end up crossing the road or whatever, it's going to be death to them and for so many other kind of situations. So that's discipline. Uh, It's more important than you think. And actually, I, (laughs) I said I wouldn't talk about why I'm a single mom now, but I think that one of the things, I mean, my ex was raised by a single mom and Maybe I shouldn't go into this, but I I think maybe he didn't maybe he didn't have great discipline because he treated people really badly and uh, tantrums, you know, just and you're taught that like as a kid you need to get punished when you disrespect your mom, and I'm not sure that ever happened, so good thing to teach your kids and your boys. Um, my next tip, my fourth tip is more about us as women and selecting mates or not. Um, one of the things that got me into the whole conversation over donor conception and the ethics of reproductive technologies was something called the Cinderella effect. 
and the Cinderella effect is the phenomenon where uh, children are dramatically more likely to be abused when there is a step-parent in the house. So if you Google, you know, child killed by, um, it's often like the mom's boyfriend. And there's just something about non-biological caregivers that makes them less loving and careful. Now, you can have a saintly person who's just an awesome step-parent or adoptive parent or caretaker, even though there's not a genetic connection. And there's wide ranges and wide disparities in the in virtue among people. And it's not to say that every genetic parent is a loving, caring person. Um, there just seems to be something evolutionary about the quality of caretaking when there's a biological link. Now, you're not, you don't have the benefit of living with the child's other genetic parent, either because the other genetic parent is a donor or there was a divorce or something like that. So this is just a word of caution that um, you guys all might be better off just not inviting a non-genetic person like a boyfriend into the family dynamics. Um, just be really cautious about that because the statistics say that if you get a boyfriend, they're a lot more likely to hurt the kids or neglect the kids or something like that. So now's the time to be very prudent, very discerning and discriminatory, like discriminate against bad guys. Don't let them into your world. <laughs> if someone is giving you bad vibes or if they're too eager to be around your kids, because some people are very nice in the beginning, but they're manipulators and they're doing it for access to your kids so they can molest your kids or exploit your kids. It's scary being a single mom. And there's a lot of pornography out in the world. There's, I mean, the subway guy. Did you hear about this? Jared, the guy who lost a million pounds by eating subway. He was convicted for child pornography. The, the big gay rights guy who coined the term domestic partner, he got convicted for child pornography, some very gruesome stuff. And these are people who are like crowned in the public eye as saviors of, you know, human well-being. Um, it's a scary place and be very careful who you allow into your home and don't be afraid of just staying single because of safety. But we're all on a journey, right? My next point is kind of a segue from that, and that is assertiveness. There's a book called Boundaries that I really recommend. 
And it, it, there's also a book called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty that I recommend. And those are both about assertiveness and, and just creating boundaries. And as a single mom, like you have to speak. Like sometimes I think women can be really passive. Like we just like let it be unto me, whatever, whatever happens, I'll deal with it. Um, I know for me being reactive rather than proactive has been a problem. And, and it's your job now to speak up about things that matter. It's your job to put walls around the things you care about so that bad guys can't hurt you all. And those work, those boundaries can start as words and then maybe it needs to, to grow from there. But, but, um, Maybe I'm just saying this for myself, but assertiveness is really important in being a parent. Now for like financial stuff. Traditionally, men were the breadwinners. They went out to work. They built the railroads. They became insurance agents and brought home the bacon. A lot of women now are having to figure out this role and be the providers. Um, It's hard to find a good man. And, you know, career women get criticized in a lot of circles. But I think it's just a necessity. Like, you need money to survive. And so what are some hacks that, that... women and single moms can can utilize to improve our financial situation. And this is something like I thought a lot about how could I add value in this particular podcast to people who are already probably they feel like they're doing everything they can. And so like last night I was looking at something like how to save extra money or some financial tip And it was written by a man, and it was so stupid in my opinion because it was like, stop going out to restaurants. (laughs) And I just, like, I have not gone willfully gone to a restaurant in such a long time. Like, I've been making my own dinners for years now consistently, and only upon invitation that someone else is paying for it (laughs) do I ever go to a restaurant. So... That was annoying to me, and I wanted this particular conversation to actually be surprising, like something you didn't know about. And you may or may not find these helpful, but one thing I think we can all do and something that I've been doing, which has been awesome, is house hack. So rather than getting like a two-bedroom apartment or a two-bedroom house, and then being responsible for the whole payment, what you can do is get like a three-bedroom or a four-bedroom house and rent out the spare rooms to women, of course. Um, This can significantly, like by hundreds of dollars, reduce your, your monthly payment. And it also gives you uh, just a human being that is potentially available in emergencies. 
you know, like what happens if one of the kids breaks a leg or something? Well, the roommate could potentially come and pick up the kid, you know, most likely. So just another option as far as social fabric goes. Um, Now, as far as loans, if you want to become a homeowner, because it's much cheaper to pay a mortgage than rent. There's some caveats because, you know, then you're responsible for fixing things. But I mean, we live in an age of YouTube. You can fix a lot by yourself. Like I'm fixing my own toilets. I'm changing my own light fixtures. I'm doing all that. I'm cleaning out my own gutters. Um, You can do that. But if you own your own home, you pay less money. So, but what if you're low on cash? How can you hack the system to own property faster? Well, um, there are loans, different loan structures that can help. So there's something called a rural development loan. And it's available in a lot of different places. This is a national loan type, but, but you know, the title kind of says it all. It's not available in metropolises. But you'd be surprised as to how close you can get to a city and still qualify for the rural development. Like, it doesn't have to be boonies. It can, there's, like, nice sub, suburbs that qualify for this loan. And what it means is it's 0% down payment. So rather than having to have $3,000 for a $100,000 house or, you know, 20% in some cases, like a $20,000 for a $100,000 house for some loan structures, for this loan structure, you you don't have to have any extra cash. You just have to be able to make the monthly payment. And so some of these houses, if you were to rent the house, it would be $1,500 a month. But if you just pay a mortgage on the house, it's only $1,000 a month or $900 a month. So your cash flow is way better. You, You can have more house for less money and you didn't even have to save that that huge down payment. So that's something I think women should be looking into. There's also something called the 203K loan. Now, um, one of the problems with home ownership is regular banks don't lend out money for bad houses. So houses have, they're graded. So you have like a brand new house, brand new everything, like it's an A. You know, some houses with with minor damage, you know, they're 15 years old, that might be a B. Um, And then obviously it's like condemned, well, that gets an F. So banks grade, they get a uh, appraiser out to properties before they lend out money. And the appraiser qualifies it. Is it an A, B, C, D, or F kind of property? And if the property is a C or lower, I I believe, or maybe a D or an F, then they won't loan you money for it. Therefore, 
you might notice this in a lot of like places where there's uh, kind of rundown houses. You, you wonder why it's why these properties are empty. Like like in the town I live in, there's a lot of like old rundown homes that they have great bone structure and you're just thinking to yourself like why doesn't anybody buy that and fix it up and the reason that they're not buying it and fixing it up is because you have to have all cash to buy the house so even if it's run down and it only costs like seventy thousand dollars you think oh man that's a bargain well the banks won't loan you seventy thousand dollars they won't even loan you fifty thousand dollars you have to have the full seventy thousand dollars cash to buy that house so people who would love to get into a rundown house and fix it up um, can't. But there is a loan structure called the 203K loan where, you know, if you're kind of a do-it-yourselfer and you're pretty good with, your, with a toolbox, you can buy a quote-unquote bad property and the bank, the it's a federal program, and they loan you the money to buy the house, but they also loan you a certain amount of money to fix up the house. Isn't that great? You get to remodel it, and the the it's included in the loan. It's hard to find uh, lenders who offer two or three key loans. It's heavy on the paperwork, and they don't like doing it. But you should know that it's available, and you can do it. Um, and especially like if there's a certain school you want your kid to go to, but you're having a hard time finding a property. But if they if they could just get into this good school district or something, um, well, this is available to you, and it might be the solution you've been looking for. In the same vein, talking about real estate, there's there's a lot of free city money that you can get for homeownership. Counties and cities want people to own their own homes because it's been shown property values go up when, when people own their own homes. They, they just are more careful with, and they just beautify it and they stick around longer. And there just seems to be something psychological about owning your own home. And so a lot of cities give like down payment assistance and closing cost assistance, basically free money for people who want to own a home. And I know that in the city I live in, it's, it's called, you can go to the, the, um, the county website, and it's called the Down Payment and Closing Cost Assistance Program. And what they do is you go through their classes and you give them all the proper paperwork like proof of income, uh, tax records, stuff like that. And usually if you, I think the income limit is for a family of four, it's $43,000 max income. So if you make less than that, then they'll give you $5,000 in free closing costs and down payment assistance. So... Uh, something to look into there. Okay, my I'm going to change focus here a little bit. We went from real estate 
to food. Food has, has been something that has been the my Achilles heel because I don't like cooking. And I've never really been great at it. My mom never really did it. She thought that, um, well, she was focused on other things. And I never really learned how. My sister became an awesome cook because my sister, she she wanted to learn how to cook so she could eat well. And so she taught herself, and now she's amazing at it. But that it, it wasn't really something that I ever picked up. But... But now I've got three kids. They have to eat every day. And I can't just go to restaurants and feed them because that's not sustainable. It's too expensive. So I'm the one responsible for all their meals. And it was very frustrating. Like you have the kind of unhealthy but easy options like chicken nuggets, frozen pizza. And if you don't know how to cook... Well, then how do you get your kids healthy to eat healthy? And what I was doing for a long time is I was just making them smoothies. And smoothies are great. I love smoothies. you got to have a blender and just you put in your vegetables. I used to work for Jamba Juice when I was in high school. Jamba Juice is like the smoothie king of America. And um, I learned you got to have a vegetable and frozen fruit frozen fruit. So you buy frozen fruit for your smoothie and then some type of yogurt, you know, like Greek yogurt or strawberry yogurt. Um, and then you put your juice in there, like an apple juice or soy milk or something like that. And that is the proper way to make an awesome, perfectly textured smoothie. And that's been how I've been getting my kids to eat their vegetables is I just put some broccoli in there, some celery, and it worked out great. But I was limited to smoothies. Um, I was just steaming broccoli, feeding them carrots, and we would eat boring stuff like rice or pasta with butter and salt. And sometimes the kids would tell me that they hated what I cooked. Most of the time, they like weren't eating. And it, was, it had become a major source of frustration. I was frustrated because... I wanted better food too. And so pretty recently I have discovered the glories of meal planning. And meal planning is like my new favorite gospel to preach. I just, it has changed my life so much in the last two weeks because that's how recent this, this transition has been. But I found this lady. She has a website called Tastes Better from Scratch. And she's got 54 weeks of meal plans. And so she has the shopping list and the recipes. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, she has a recipe for each night, for each dinner that night. And they're all good food. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm sure there's there's like, other websites that are vegan or gluten-free or vegetarian for you. Um, but, but she has the recipes and then she has one shopping list that she provides with every ingredient that you're going to need for the whole week. And so what I've been doing is I'll take her shopping list and then I'll go to 
Kroger or Walmart neighborhood market, like I'm sure most major grocery store chains are doing this now where they have pickup. Like instead of going to the store, you can shop for the food online. And I call it my single mom grocery pickup. And I take, I take the list, the shopping list that I get from Taste Better from Scratch that, for that week. And I just buy everything that I need through the web, through my grocery store website. I pay for it online. And then the next day I go, I park at the store and they put it in the car for me. And it doesn't matter if I have kids strapped in the car seat or not. And then I go home and I don't have to strap kids in, strap kids, unstrap kids, deal with them like fight. I want this instead. Please buy me this. And then like, you know, you go in there for two things and all of a sudden there's another 50 bucks worth of stuff that you just paid for because of their whining. (sighs) So meal planning saved my life. And the food, like the kids have been saying, mom, this is the best meal you've ever cooked me in, in my entire life and the, and and I I'm cooking with them like they're involved they're mixing they're measuring they're they're doing it themselves this morning my daughter cooked her own breakfast you know they're excited about cooking which means that they're they're going to learn how to cook themselves which means pretty soon I'm not going to have to cook every day anymore like they're going to start doing it too which is huge relief and I just wanted to share that with you in case it helps you Okay, I saved. I saved the last. I saved the last tip for last because it's very controversial, and I want to preface this tip by saying this is a pr- proposition for you to look further into, and not an imposition or a judgment. And you might be guessing what it is. It's about vaccines. <laughs> well, well, um, as you know, I'm donor conceived. My father was a doctor. Um, he, um, how do I put this? Um, there's been a lot of evidence of uh, unethical behavior in the donor, there's a lot of donor conceived people who were conceived by doctors. And many of the doctors were doing, they were tricking their patients. So like OB, male OBGYNs tricking their, their patient, um, pretending to use a sperm donor, but really using their own sperm. That's not my case, but those are fairly common. Um, my, biological father uh, had his medical license revoked for um, criminal, you know, just exploitation of his medical license and fraud. And, and my point is you don't have to trust your doctor. Not all doctors are good and care about your well-being. Some of them are going to um, exploit their medical license and and um, take advantage of the doctor-patient trust that's there. 
Now, why is that important in the vaccine discussion? So I think people are missing a an aspect of the vaccine debate. Um, I started vaccinating my kids, just did everything the doctor said, and we had major problems with my, my, my oldest. We had major gut issues. Night terrors were inconsolable crying where you just, she'd be screaming in terror for hours in the middle of the night. Um, it was horrible. It was horrible. I would go to playgrounds and talk with other moms, and some of them would complain that after their kid got a vaccine, it be they became they had some kind of in, injury. I talked to a mom; her kid had autism, and I and I started to ask her, like, "So do you think it was? Do you think it was the vaccines that caused it? Like, is there something to all this controversy?" And she said, "Yeah, I do believe he was totally fine until we got those shots." So I started peeking further into it. And um, I read Dissolving Illusions by Suzanne, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, she teamed up with a medical historian to really take a deep look into the vaccine, the history of vaccines. I was really shocked to discover that like um, the death rates from a lot of these infectious diseases had completely plummeted, like down to zero. well before the vaccines were ever even invented or put on the market. And so in essence, the vaccine manufacturers were taking credit for something they did not achieve, but really it was dramatic improvements in plumbing, garbage disposal, and um, zoning and, and urban development that really helped us improve our water systems and our exposure to toxicity and our exposure to germs that is responsible for the major plummets and uh, deaths from infectious diseases. There's a lot to this and you need to explore it, but some resources that I found very helpful, um, there's a documentary called Vaxxed and it's a team of medical journalists who made this documentary and they there's a they have recordings of and and uh, testimony from a senior scientist from the CDC where he admits that the CDC covered up proof that the MMR vaccine causes autism they hid the information they destroyed it it was like a, a watergate cover up and why did they do this for financial reasons. And the woman who was the president of the, or like the director of the CDC at the time during this cover-up, well, she now she is now something like the vice president of Merck. Makes a million dollars a year working for Merck. And in fact, the founder of Merck, he, he said something like this. He said, you don't sell a drug you sell a disease and basically what I mean by that is, you know, you you see all the, the commercials these days for pharmaceutical products. Well, they're, they're selling a disease. They're making you afraid of getting, catching a disease so that then you're motivated to go out and buy the product. 
it's people something I can't explain in three minutes, but watch Vaxxed. You can watch a series called Truth About Vaccines. You can um, subscribe to or just look at Dr. Suzanne Humphrey's YouTube channel. Um, um, the Vax has a YouTube channel where they have just testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of parents who had their kid vaccinated and now they've got some kind of vaccine injury, some kind of autoimmune disease, some kind of autistic, autism-related dis, you know, dysfunction there, uh, the, the whole premise of like what people are saying about vaccines is that, um, it, it's the aluminum content, the mercury content and the foreign proteins that essentially cause a toxicity overload in the body and, uh, autoimmune response. So now we've got 47% of the kids in America have a chronic autoimmune condition and the, position for the vaccine hesitant community is that it's the vaccines that are causing these autoimmune conditions, these chronic health problems. And so if you think about it from a financial perspective on the, you know, the vaccine manufacturers are also making other pharmaceutical products. And, and so isn't it brilliant that if you make people chronically ill from birth and infancy, um, you have lifetime customers, so if you give a kid a chronic illness when they're one or two years old and they have to take pharmaceutical products for the rest of their lives, well, that's a lot of money in your coffers. And I know I have a family friend whose son has mild autism, mild autism, and for one of his drugs, it costs $900 a month for one monthly pill that he takes. And so the, of course, the... That, you know, the manufacturer of these products want every child in America to take it, to, to, to take these vaccines because they earn so much money on the other side. And I see these like flu shot, you know, free flu shot stuff. And, um, it's like, well, why is it free? Where are they making their money? Oh, they're making it on the chronic illness. And, you need to look into this. Don't take my word for it. It's just a conversation we're having. And if you really believe in vaccines, then you don't have to hang out with me and my kids. Um, but the, it's just something to look into. Now on that note, what if you already did vaccinate your kids and you've got some kind of allergy, autoimmune condition, um, health, use chronic health problem. Well, I, in order to help heal my daughter from the issues that we were having, um, it ended up being like a chronic cough that eventually when she, she, she grew out of the chronic inconsolable crying and the night terrors. But, but in the last few years she had chronic coughing where she would just cough and 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 cough. And, cough. and it was, bothering people at school. It was hurting my relationship with her because it was tough to be around and I had to find a solution. So, um, as I said, one of the issues in the vaccines is the heavy metals. And there's a scientist named Chris Exley, who's a world renowned expert on aluminum. And he can verify for you that the aluminum levels in the 
the brains of autistic kids are higher. And um, the aluminum in the vaccines is capable of crossing the blood-brain barrier. And the aluminum basically causes um, inflammation wherever it goes. And so if it crosses the blood-brain barrier, then it'll cause brain inflammation. And autism is basically brain inflammation, some people are arguing. And with my daughter's coughing, that was um, respiratory inflammation, I discovered. And I thought, okay, maybe it's the vaccines. How do I get this stuff out? How do I get the heavy metals out? And I found this product um, called uh, TRS, Toxin Removal System, by a company, I think, Coseva, C-O-S-E-V-A. And they developed this product, and it's a heavy metal detox spray. And it's basically like you spray water in your mouth. Super easy. Babies can take it. Adults can take it. It's not that you don't have to go run a marathon to detox. You don't have to go on this special, like, all cayenne pepper diet. It's just a spray, and it's so just practical for for moms. And what the way it works, supposedly, um, and you need to research this yourself, obviously, before buying it, but it, it, it has a chemical called, not a chemical, like a molecule called the zeolite, and it's a cage-structured molecule that is negatively charged, and it attracts the positively charged metal in your system, but, but engulfs it in its cage-like structure so that the toxin, the heavy metal, can be removed from the body without causing damage on the way out. Um, because when the metal comes in contact with tissue, it damages the tissue. And so you want to get it out, but you don't want... Um, you don't want it wreaking havoc on its way out. And that's why a lot of, of um, people today have GI issues. They've got irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's. Um, that's what the whole, um, gosh, what's his name? Never mind. Uh, but a lot of these GI issues are related to heavy metals doing damage on, like, as they're trying to exit the body, try, as your body's trying to detox it. And so TRS, Toxin Removal System by Kosova, has been phenomenal for us. Like I started, I put my daughter on this detox regimen, and then I started giving her um, vitamin B and D supplements, and I started giving her probiotics. And within two weeks, her coughs completely went away. And... I just really believe in this product and I wanted you to know about it too. And I've been talking for a long time now. This is kind of the end of my, my single mom tips. I hope it helps. Please don't email me to tell me you think I'm evil because I just don't worship vaccines anymore. Look into it yourself. Make your own best decisions. I'm just sharing what I found to be helpful for me and my family. Hope you have a great day, a great week. Thank you for listening to Dealing with Donor Conception.